podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts. Welcome to episode 18 of the Celtic Exchange. This is Tino and today I'm joined by Muff and Chris. So, any faint hopes we all had of salvaging something from this bonfire of a season were finally put to rest this weekend as Celtic gave up the Scottish Cup with as weak a display as we've seen all season. And that's quite the statement, given some of the nonsense we've all witnessed. Odds and Edward and co seem to be halfway out the door already and guys like Patrick Clamalla and Shane Duffy now also look to have played their last games for the club. Heading the other way is new chief exec Don Mackay, who begins his work with the club this week. And we can only hope that the man's a grafter, as he's got a hell of a lot of work to be getting on with. Miff, what's your headlines from Ibrox, and where do you see us going from here? Hello Tino, hello Chris, hello listeners. Um, headlines from Ibrox, there, there are none, I would say. I'd like to just move swiftly on. It was pretty painful, and as abject as, as we were at times in the game, and as gutless as we were in the game, we still probably should have came away with something, which is quite strange. You know, that there are better Celtic teams than that, went to Ibrox and, and performed more poorly or created less chances, should I say. So, pretty galling in that regard, just the whole <laughs> the whole escapade on the back of what's been a, a, a terrible season. Where do we go from here? Well, I think that there are reasons to be, to be optimistic because we, we've got a blank canvas. New chief executive coming in, hopefully full of bright ideas, although... At the time of recording, we've not really heard too much from him, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't have minded hearing some sort of upbeat bulletin today, but maybe that's just me. Well, we, we, we go up, we go back up, we go back to where we should be, back to at least competing for the title, um, competing for trophies and not meekly surrendering to the opposition. Yeah. Uh, Chris, uh, before we move on to yourself, birthday wishes for yesterday, first of all. Um, Happy birthday, son. Was it, the, was it the birthday you were hoping for? Absolutely not. Obviously, the birthday, birthday wishes didn't come true. Um, shouldn't have been actually been saying that again. That's when they don't come true. Good day, apart from the, <laughs> apart from the game. But uh, I'm just a bit disappointed, obviously, between three and five o'clock um, yesterday. But I, it's, um, it was a sore way to take it, story of season. Bad goals, no converting our chances. I just think we just need to dust ourselves down again and just just go on with it. But as I said, your, your man Don McKay's got a big, big job in his hands now and it's just, it's all all, all eyes on him um, in, in order to hopefully get the, the white smoke maybe come for Parkhead the next couple of weeks in terms of managerial appointments, director of football, etc. Um, so I just, again, just need to go on with it again. It's just... Another, another sore one, another sore one, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, it's all you can do, as you say, just need to go on with it, and we'll, we'll definitely be covering Don McKay and his to do list pretty soon. First of all, though, we'll look back, uh, unfortunately, at yesterday's performance and result at Ibrox. I mean, the opening question would be as you mentioned, Chris, you know, individual errors, not converting at the, the other end of the pitch. You know, can we lay the blame for yesterday solely on things like that? Or is it actually more deep-rooted? And is it a, you know, a problem that's been festering all season within the camp? You know, it, we've mentioned before there might be some things going on that we've not heard about, but there's just such a, I don't know, a negative air about the club and such a malaise. Do you feel, Miff, there's something more to it? Or is it just, you know, poor on the day? I think something's happened. I can't just accept that they've completely crumbled under solely the pressure of the 10. I, I may be wrong, but that that's just my own personal opinion. The most unacceptable thing for me about the, the game against Rangers was I think we saw a, a Celtic team with 11 players and, and even including the, the substitutes that were made kind of feeling sorry for themselves because things hadn't gone their way. It was just all a bit gutless. 
you know, the, the endeavour was there from, from some, some more than others. And then the endeavour was maybe even there from some who are just not up to the required standard. You know, there's there's loads of different threads runs through it. But I think they all feel a bit sorry for themselves with the way the seasons went. And I think you kind of saw that for them yesterday. Even some of the body language throughout the game, oh, here we go again, you know, that type of thing. You really needing players that can stand up to the heat and take the game with the scruff of the neck. So, you know, a lot has been said and, and a lot of conjecture on this podcast um, over the past few months and, and weeks about, oh no, who do we keep? And really, do you want to keep any of them at the minute? That that I might that might be a knee-jerk reaction, but in, in all seriousness, you're talking about who could be at the door, who could be there, who couldn't be there. It gets back to the, the, whole, the thing I said just at the opening there about the blank canvas. I actually find that quite exciting. Instead of going out and recruiting loanees who can't get a game for their, their parent clubs, we actually go out and we find hungry, bright, young talent or established talent that want to come in and do well for Celtic on a permanent basis. To me, that alone is a step in the right direction rather than the model that has been followed for the past few years. Admittedly, at the fans' behest, where it's just been all about the 10 and fed into just doing enough to get over the line for the 10, now we have proper time to do some decent forward planning, but it all goes back to this appointment needing to be made ASAP to allow whoever's coming in to do that work. Yeah, I think forward planning is absolutely a must, and I think that's actually, with the benefit of hindsight, where we've fallen down, because we've not planned for season 2022, 23, 24, we've planned for this season, which has gone horrendously wrong. And there's so many things that have gone wrong, whether it be how we've dealt with COVID situations and Dubai's and signings and not letting guys go and, you know, the list goes on. But there's clearly been such a focus on the 10 and it's taken the focus away from everything else. Even at that, so we're in this, inverted commas, 10 in a row season, which has obviously been a failure. And you look at the starting 11 from yesterday and there's three guys that are loanees, which, you know, I'm not sure that should be the case. Two, two of them, your fullbacks, who were terrible yesterday. Uh... John Joe Kenny, and it's you know it's almost you almost can't blame him. He'll go where he's told to go. He's been told to go to Celtic. Why are Celtic considering him as the best viable alternative to a Frimpong or a, an El Hamid that moved on? He has been shocking, and somebody somewhere has scouted him and said he's good enough for Celtic. So somebody's you know got to carry the can for that. I think the the warning sign for me would have been he's got three first names. Ah, I surely you think surely you think to yourself that's at least two too many. <laughs> so so that's a concern uh, not the name stuff the, the ability stuff Laxalt has been such a puzzling signing a guy that plays for AC Milan in Uruguay but his performances don't reflect that Moyel Yunusi is good when he decides to be good and I think he has a talented guy who may well come good under a better coach but ultimately he's alone at this moment in time Brown has got half a foot out the door Scott Bain was a third choice who's now a first choice Callum McGregor hasn't kicked a ball this whole season there's so many things wrong and ultimately, even when you look towards the bench, and I know we've joked a wee bit and stuff, I'm not singling this guy out, but Tony Ralston shouldn't be in our 10 in a row squad. He's on the bench, you know, almost every game just now. And how has it come to be that Tony Ralston is still part of the picture? Klamala's a 3.5 million flop who's currently in NYC. Okay, Duffy, huh? nowhere to be seen. It's just a shambles. The squad management, you've got the young boy Montgomery in the bench. It's an absolute riot in terms of what we're looking at. And that's the best that we can put out in a must-win cup game against Rangers in the 10-0 season. I mean, what do you feel about the current squad, Chris, and where it's at? I just think just for moving on for what Miff was saying in terms of being excited about it before just going on to that point, you know, is that my concern is that, again, I think that is exciting. Miff, I've just got to say it is, it is exciting. But at the same there's pressure a point... There's a but coming There is a but. There is a but. It's time. It's time, right? Again, I just wanted just to pick up on that, eh, Miff. It's just, this needs to happen yesterday type stuff and actually the appointment itself. But getting back to the team 
as it stands at the moment. I feel as if we're a team, a team of individuals, complete individuals. There is no cohesion to our play, right? And I thought the past couple of games leading up to the game yesterday, I thought for the first time this season, there is thinking there. That again, you know, say in Edward, they're linking up well. There seems to be a bit of cohesion in the middle of the park as well. But yesterday, it was frighteningly bad in terms of. I said, I'm glad you said frightening and not. Uh, oh, so well, like, well, <laughs> close. Um, but you're using John Joe Kenny as an example as well, right? There's opportunities to him getting down the right hand side. Acres of space coming inside, no really knowing what to do. Didn't know what his role was. Same with Laxell on the opposite side. Callum McGregor for the first goal. Yeah. Running up as that part, uh, running right through the centre, right, um, centre mid basically, conceding possession. See Callum McGregor two years ago, three years ago. That's never a part of his game. The ball retention, his his ball retention was fantastic. See this season, right out the window. So, so that tells me because we all know that Callum McGregor's a good player. We've seen it with our very own eyes. You know, you kind of tell me he's not got a good touch. He doesn't drive and, and find the right pass when he's on his game. And it tells me that it, it's a real mental problem at the club. And when you're playing Livingston last week, you know, no pressure at home, easy days, six 0 flying could have been ten. Then you come into that game yesterday and there's there's pressure. And, you know, you can argue how much pressure there is or isn't, you know, given the way the season's gone. But rather than look forward to that game, because I think a lot of fans, and I definitely get drawn into that, I was optimistic about it. I thought we had the ability to go and, you know, see that game as a, here's a real opportunity despite the season that's gone past. We can actually still go and do something despite all the nonsense. And the players absolutely crumbled. And I made the point that I think when they scored their first goal after 10 minutes, the game was done. So what work are Celtic doing in this? Maybe is isn't John Kennedy's department. What work are the club doing to prepare the guys psychologically for games? And, and the modern game has changed and sports science is everywhere. Have Celtic got someone in there working with the guys mentally? And if not, why not? Well, I think, I think they'd Mr Lennon um, for the first half of the season. That was uh, blood and thunder to get the, the guys ready for the game. I think psychologically the season's obviously took a, a heavy toll. I, I don't necessarily agree with the, the fact that the players crumbled as such, whilst elements of the performance were particularly gutless there were periods of the game they did dominate and should have scored in. Now the general feeling is that if Rangers really had if we had pegged Rangers back, the chances are that they would have probably turned the screw and went up the park and scored if they really, really had to but that notwithstanding Celtic had clear chances in that game to level it and to get themselves back in it, you know, depending on what times the chances were, were missed at. So I think y- you did see a, a team a team that's just scared of its own shadow. That's how they, they you know, they, they look nervous. And it just makes me, it just makes me wonder and, and question, you know, is that a case of we need to be back in there? As in us, the fans. We need to be back in there. What reaction is there going to be to this team when we do go back in there? And is it maybe a good thing that the team, as we have known it, is going to be ripped up and a fresh team there for the fans to go back in and give back in too because I think that's actually going to work out to be a good thing in, in the long run other than maybe somebody like Scott Brown not getting the send-off that he, he would rightly deserve. You know, take this season out of the equation, Scott Brown's been an excellent servant to Celtic. I, I think just looking forward, you're looking at the future, you're looking at that blank canvas, you're looking at how we move forward as a club but also how how the fa- how you restore faith in the team with the fans. I think that's kind of a good natural fit, if that makes sense, is that we'll be back in to support a fresh team, which is probably good given the baggage that there would have been because of the failures of this season. Yeah, it'll definitely be a fresh team. It'll be almost unrecognisable. Actually, you know, even, you know, again, looking back at the team from yesterday, how many of those guys that started yesterday will line up in our first European qualifier, for example? I'll give you a couple. Probably Stephen Welsh. 
probably David Turnbull, uh, and that's me. I don't think there's many others that you can look at. Bain shouldn't be around. Your two fullbacks will go away back on back to their parent clubs. Ryan Christie probably won't be around. Who knows about Callum McGregor? I could get through the whole lot of them. And that's that's ridiculous. Of a starting eleven in your biggest game of the season, and you could only maybe, you know, hang your hat on two of them being there for your, your next biggest game around. I would gladly again go with that again in terms of who you're talking about. So you're, you're mentioning Ryan Christie and I've took a deep breath. You would you wouldn't want to keep him there. So again, I'm I'm throwing Ed again, I'm being controversial. I throw Edward in there. Edward is completely checked out. So why would you want you don't want some like some that around around your club? And again, I know we need to maximise obviously um value for him and again he will play the rest of the season. Again, you're not gonna you're not gonna drop him. Again, he's gonna just again he's a saleable asset. I'm quite content, as I said, to rip it let's just say rip it up and start again. Um but again, like many others, but it's just not it's not as simple as that. But that's it. When you're dealing with multi million pound assets yep. and you know it's not easy just to bring in a whole new dozen players. There's guys around that shouldn't be featured next season, but will. And that can't be a good thing, you know, in terms of whoever the manager is. On that note, so obviously there's been a lot of talk about John Kennedy and whether John Kennedy would admit it in public or not, this has been his audition. Uh, you know, and how he, I'm you know, I'm sure he was fully striving to to do as well as he could in the cup and, and get as far as he could towards the end of the season unbeaten. That's not happened now, and I suppose it's just it's wiped out any doubt of whether John Kennedy should be here or not next season. And I've backed him. I think he's a talented coach and a, a talented guy in general, and I think he will be a success elsewhere. But it's definitely time for a clean slate, isn't it? And it's, you know, whether it be in the dugout or on the park, the fans just need something else to, to support. Well, I'd, I'd say last week it would be very like the Celtic board to appoint him um, if he went on a winning on the end of the season and eliminated Rangers for the for the Scottish Cup. The fact that that's not happened, I think, completely kiboshes any chance that he had to having the job. The one thing, I, well, two things I picked up from yesterday in terms of Kennedy's decisions and management was, one, lacks out over Taylor. Again, I'm not being captain hindsight here. It's just that was a complete 50-50 call, but he's came out in the wrong end of that because not only was lacks out terrible in the first half, but Taylor actually played pretty well when he came on as well. He he, he definitely improved the, the kind of solidity of the, the defence. But also, he made mention in his post-match interview about we didn't press the way we wanted to in the first 20 minutes, which I think is a damning indictment of his preparation of the team. Surely, you're going out there like, you know, Slavon and Rottweiler's ready to press like a madman. Mm-hmm. When, when it's a cup tie away to your biggest rivals in a game you really need to win, Why? Was there a lack of intensity in the pressing? Now, you could say maybe Kennedy was in there, maybe he did rip the tap off and get right in about them and say, come on, lads. But if he did, it's not worked. And the team have went out there and meekly kind of went through the motions in pressing and it's took them to go a goal down before they've put a foothold in the game and actually started getting in Rangers' faces. So again, does that tell you either A, Kennedy isn't actually getting through at the players or B, it is this pool of players. They've got Lennon sacked and they've no turn up on the big day to back Kennedy. I'm closer to B because actually. Uh, so you are backing your mate Kennedy? Is that what you're telling me here? That's the last one I'm saying on this occasion. I'm shocked to that. Because I actually think if you'd brought a guy out the pub to do the team talk yesterday, those players should take the responsibility to say, it almost doesn't matter what this guy in the centre of the dressing room is telling us right now. This is a Scottish Cup tie against our biggest rivals, and we're absolutely going out all guns blazing. We should have got Big Sinky for that. I'd love to hear Big Sinky at 5 to 3 yesterday. Big man's underrated. So that's the thing. So, you know, yeah, John Kennedy's message hasn't gone through. And, you know, you could, you could argue, is John Kennedy not delivering that in the right way? But I actually feel, from what we've seen of this pillar players, because we've seen them, you know, turn out horrendous displays all season long, 
I think it's on them and to an extent they've got an easy run you know it's all been about Lenny for so much of this season and now you've got people coming out and Kennedy's part of the problem as well and all that stuff what about the 11 guys you see week in week out and everything they're doing I'll tell you something Matthew I know you're laughing because you're because of my passion defence of John Kennedy John Kennedy's job as a coach and anybody's job as a coach is to set up a team to create chances now if Hudson Edward misses a penalty from 12 yards what can John Kennedy do about that if Moyle Eunice doesn't smack one first time when it comes across to him in the box what can Kennedy do about that? Individual decision-making is what's killing Celtic. And I think a lot of it can be pointed towards the coach, but so much of it must go towards the players. Gaze your worst enough, because I can see you laughing. No, th- there's obviously an element of truth to that, but with this bunch of players, that, that seems to have been an issue all season, more so defensively, that they've just been making those wrong calls. And they did it again yesterday. The, the two goals have came from really naive, weak, gutless defend. To expect Kennedy to rectify that in a number of games is, is probably fanciful because it's, it's really down to the components of the squad as to why the, the team have, have defended so poorly all season and their, their set-piece concession, etc. But I take your point, you know, had certain big-name players made better decisions yesterday, we wouldn't have conceded the two goals we did and we would have scored more than nil. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've had guys, you know, making poor decisions all season long. And what do we do? We're bringing another man for Everton to make more decisions, as as if we didn't have enough guys making the wrong calls. Well, but the issue with that is, that, again, the squad management. Alhamid's away. We could probably do a podcast alone on the merits of that signing and, and, and how that ties in with how terrible our recruitment is. Uh, and Frimpong, so we've known that Frimpong's been going, we've banked a fairly decent amount of money for Frimpong and none of that's been reinvested in, in the team. And that's the most galling thing, is that just seems to be a continual, repeated pattern of banking cash on assets and it not being thoroughly and obviously reinvested in first-team-ready players. We keep on buying projects or guys who have previously been successful but had a bum move. And, you know, is the one I'm, I'm thinking of the, the most here, where, on paper, it actually looks a decent... Signing, he has performed well for the, I think it was Basel that he'd, he'd done really well at and earned his move to, to West Ham. He's done nothing at West Ham and he's come up the road and, you know, he looks like he probably needs a full season to get fit. The lad, it's just one of those ones where, where are those first team ready players? If you think it was the decision was between him and Ivan Tony, and you see Tony's contribution to Brentford this season, that that make that just as a further put in the chip. So, so it, 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 it's a it's a point on the agenda. Ivan Tony is quoted now in the last twenty four hours or so as saying he was actually in the building at Lennox Town, right? So the guy's obviously been willing to discuss and he's been, you know, seriously considering coming to Celtic and for whatever reason that's not gone through. And I think we know the reason. Celtic will have penny punched at some point and said, I know you want X, we're giving you X minus whatever. And Ivan Tony's decided that Brentford is a more appealing place for him to play football. I think the guy scored 29 goals and 10 assists in 40 appearances this season. As you say, my hindsight's a brilliant thing, but there is absolutely no doubt. And actually anyone that knows football should have seen that guy and thought, he can do a job for us, either in place of or alongside Odds and Edward. And one of the biggest problems this season has been, Edward's been undroppable, but not in the good way, not because he's on fire, but because there's no viable alternative. Klamala, as I say, is Ofsky. A Yeti you've just mentioned, Miff, who done nothing at West Ham and has mirrored that in his time at Celtic. And Lee Griffiths, you just do not know what you're getting. So actually, despite how up and down Odds and Edward has been, he's been the only option for us. And that in itself is, is a damning indictment of the, the recruitment across the board. Takes us nicely, I suppose, to Dominic Mackay and the you know the amount of work he has uh, on his plate in terms of you know 
he's initially shadowing Peter Lowell, I think, before taking over as chief executive in his own right in the next number of weeks. <laughs> I mean, I don't know where to start, but Chris, what do you think is the most important thing, first and foremost, for him to be doing of the many, many tasks he's got? Manager to recruitment, director of football recruitment, both at the same time. Um, I still think there's been, I think it's quite, quite clear there has been discussions in the background with regards to manager appointments and uh, director of football potential appointments as well. So, if the feedback has come or the kind of uh, word in the grapevine is that Celtic seem to be very relaxed about the situation. So the the guy, I'm glad somebody's relaxed. Well, I'm not going to sell his name anyway. Um, so I think that needs to be the priority. And it seems I, I can I be very surprised if there isn't something already happened or happening at the moment. Um, so that's Dominic McKay's kind of his priority at the moment. But it needs to happen. I keep saying it was yesterday. Yeah. Time stop. It's stuff now. Um, you would say this, I like to think there's stuff going on behind the scenes, but you just don't know. And the more silence we get, and that seems to be all that Celtic fans get fed, then the more concerning it is. So we're recording this on Monday. So Don McKay's first day in the job was Monday. We'll give him the day to get his feet under the desk and all that stuff. You want to be hearing from him pretty soon, don't you? You know, with something, even if it's just a holding statement to say, I'm in the role, I know I've got a lot to do. You'll be hearing from us soon. The recruitment process is ongoing. I mean, I've noted, you know, his to-do list, and there's, there's things that are missing on this, but wait to hear the, the amount of tasks he's got. Number one, appoint a head coach. Number two, a director of football. Number three, address the scouting department. Uh, he's got to manage player exits, you know, high profile or otherwise. He's got to deal with players whose contracts are running out, guys like Griffiths. You've got returning loanees, balling goalies, whatever. You've got signings for next season to prepare you for Europe and uh, the title challenge if we manage to, to do one this year. You've got season ticket pricing and, and what that's going to look like and what additional value to use the term. You've got all sorts of things and you've also ultimately got to rebuild the the damage that's been done in terms of fan relations. Where do you even start with that? That's that, that's more job than one man can carry, surely? Um, well, yes, but I think going back to what Chris said, making a couple of shrewd appointments takes a lot of that workload off you. So if you appoint the right person to be head coach, you appoint the right person to be a director of football and look after that that kind of takes care of the player transfer side of things the player contract negotiations side of things so I think it all feeds into the one thing Celtic have had the feeling of being a wee bit rudderless even whilst Neil Lennon was in charge and you felt that there was a bit of loyalty to Lennon from, from Lawwell and others in, in the board which ultimately has, has really cost us this season and I think that's what, why you're seeing a team with the attitude that they have at this moment in time because it's all a wee bit like, you know, poor, poor us, poor us, or what, what a shame this season's been. It's been one disaster after another. It has, but, you know, you can still go out there and kick a ball on the park. You still have that within your power to do something about it rather than feeling sorry for yourself. So the fans, all fans want to see is a winning Celtic team. I repeat that. I think I've made this point a couple of times so far. We want to see a winning Celtic team. What's going to get us a winning Celtic team? Firstly, a new manager coming in with fresh ideas to give us all something to believe in. If you get that, you build the momentum back up the other way again. That's how fickle football is. It's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately business. You know, the likes of Scott, but who would have thought this time last year that we could even possibly be sitting here slating the likes of Ryan Christie, slating the likes of Odson Edward, some people being thankful for the fact that Scott Brown's moving on. It's it's madness, but here we are. That's that's what football does. If you don't produce results, you open yourself to criticism. And this squad of players, whether you want to lay 100%, 50% or 25%, it 
of blame at the previous manager's door, this squad of players have underachieved. And when you underachieve, you get stick, you get flack, you need to deal with it and come back stronger. Now it's down to see who's up for the battle. And I think as many people have said um, on social media, leave it to those who are willing. Now let's see who's willing. I like that, Miff. That's quite good. That's quite inspirational there, Miff. I really like that. Um, but just to get a, moving on for that, Miff. Completely, just, completely off the cuff. That was good. That. I really like that. Completely um, off the cuff. No, but just to connect, moving on for what you're saying there, Miff, the pillars of a good management structure is having the right appointments in place. I think that's what we've suffered, and I'm talking about the executive level at Celtic. Whether it be appointment of Lennon, whether it be appointment of Strachan, whether it be appointment of the Chief Scout, um, it's again, that's where we've suffered. And this is where the dominant McKay needs to get it right. He needs to have that structure, as you're saying, in place in terms of director of football, head coach, in order actually to help him make the right decision. So he needs to get it right. But again, it's a, it's a big, big, big job. But again, that's what, again, you're going to be measuring your success, your success basically. So yeah. and it doesn't matter if it's football or any other business. That's how that's how it works. That's how a good management, management system works. You need to have the right team in place in order to actually facilitate you driving forward. So You do. And you've, you've said the point there, Dominic Mackay has to get it right, and you're correct. Does Dominic Mackay have cap longs to make those calls, though? So if Dominic Mackay identifies Eddie Howe and David Webb, for example, these are the guys that are going to drive us forward. Is it his call, or does it ultimately come down to Dermot Desmond and folk of his ilk who say, I know what you're saying, Dom, but we're going this direction instead. Will we ever find out, you know, did Peter Lowell make the call on Brendan Rodgers? I don't think so. Did they make the call on Martin O'Neill back in the day? No, because he wasn't in the building, so that's a different story. But generally speaking, it's clear that at times, Dermot Desmond has ruled with an iron fist and stepped in when he wants to. And is that going to be the case moving forward for a, a Dominic Mackay, or do we just need to wait and see how that plays out? He needs to have the autonomy to make his own decisions. He can't. Dermot Desmond can't come in and, again, fair enough, I can just work out for Brendan Rodgers, right? Brilliant, great, fantastic appointment and great, great years. But Celtic, again, he needs to have the autonomy in order to actually kick on because... As I said, he just he can't come in and just choose when to come well, when to come in, when to then step away. There needs to be that kind of working together. Again, talk about cohesion in the team, I'm talking cohesion at executive level as well. He needs to know where the guy the guy, the guy needs to know where he stands, basically. Yeah. So you just wonder and we'll never be privy to those conversations, but you just you've seen the pattern, you know, with Celtic boards in the last twenty years and that cycle, and it's things go well for a time and then as soon as we hit a down curve, Dermot Desmond swoops in from the golf course and says bang, there's Martin O'Neill, there's Brendan Rodgers, there's whatever. And on the other occasions where it seems that Peter Lowell's had the autonomy, we've ended up with Tony Mowbray's and various other flops along the way. So I just wonder what the, the remit is for Dominic McKay. Have you got to say Ronnie Dyla? <laughs> I've got mixed opinions on Ronnie Dyla. Harshly treated that man, but I'm not going to, you know, there's a lot of revisionism going on at this moment in time, and he was not the right man for the job. But I also wasn't given the tools. So Celtic appoint Ronnie Dyla, and then Peter Lowell says, I bet you're getting Joanne Gaberge yep. on loan and Tonev and Wakaso and all these names Wacasso. that we've all forgotten. So it's just been such a, a car crash, you know, over the years. Dominic Mackay should signal the start of a new era for Celtic, but you just hope it's a it's a fresh alternative to what we've been served up before because you know, the chickens have all come home to roost this season and we've seen how bad it can be. Well, you mentioned earlier that you felt we were getting fed silence and we are officially, but the most telling thing for me has been the fact that the Sun leaked the How reports. Mm -hmm. Now, that would suggest to me it's not came for the club. That would that would be my, my suggestion. I think that's probably came for How's representative. So I think we've reached out, spoke to him, and then they've leaked it, obviously trying their hand so that if any English clubs were 
interested in him, it's probably stimulated a bit of chat at that end. But I, I genuinely think if it was going to be how, it would have been done by now. That's, that's my own personal opinion. Yeah. So, I, I know, I, again, I know I've said that before. This, people listening might think this is a repeat. It's not. Um, but I, I've said that before. I, I think I think it might even be somebody that we've not heard yet. That was my line with a number of weeks ago. I suggested was that it? it could potentially be a I name think, that I think so. none of us I, have heard I, before. I think so. um, I'm not so sure. I, I'm still going with the the Eddie Howe route. I think um, Stephen McGowan, you know, well quoted Scottish Daily Mail journalist, uh, and very much on the know at Celtic. He's quoted from last week. I think he was on Radio Clyde saying that if he was down to his last tenner, he'd still put it on Eddie Howe being the man in the in the hot seat next year. And that's a, you know a pretty strong statement. And I think and hope that that's where we're headed. But time will tell, and we'll, we'll need to hear something from. Dominic Mackay, you know, in the coming days to to reassure us. My feeling was that they were going to let Sunday's game come and go, win, lose or draw, and just let the heat of that, you know, disperse and, and give John Kennedy room to prep his players, you know, without distraction. However, you know, the next 24 hours will tell me if I've been right in that or not. The suggestion is from certain others that this is when Fergal Harkin will be announced with Eddie Howe to follow in the coming days. So who knows, but... You know, as I've said all along, the more silence there is, the more guys like us just fill in the blanks and inevitably get it wrong. Where do you hear these rumours? I've no heard I hear them, them for you, and you I've hear no them heard, for no, me. I've not heard any of that. The wonderful Fergal world. Harkin. Right. Really? Wonderful world of Twitter. Yeah, it's all there for you. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's just, it's such a... As I say, the silence just causes so many... You know, blanks to be filled rightly or wrongly by folk like ourselves, and it's yeah, Twitter's a strange place at this moment in time. Put it that way. Another thing that you know should be high up in the list for Dominic Mackay, just while we're on the subject, is improved communication, and that's something that's been seriously lacking, and you know, certainly this season alone, if not further behind. And the only time we hear from chief execs or Dermot Desmonds or chairman is when they're firefighting. They're coming out to you know appeal to the fans for calm and bear with us, and this has just been a a blip on the radar and all that kind of stuff, but you want to hear from from these guys at the top of tree, the top of the tree, you know, hail rain or shine. You want to hear from them at good and bad times. Do you think, given he's got a communications background, this is something we'll see more of from uh, Dominic McKay? I'd, I'd like to think so. Again, it all just depends on how successful the team's been in the park. That that's that seems to be the measurement that fans torn. So what the, the the club have to say in an official capacity, it really just depends on. What the team are doing on the pitch, and we've seen for the the announcements this week regarding the European Super League mm. and the intention of the, the clubs who want to participate in that, moving away that you know it's, it's really just a slap in the face to the, the fans of those clubs. It, it's less about the forty five or sixty thousand fans that go through the turnstile. They're actually looking at the wider the wider audience and the the audiences that they can get um, further afield, and and in many cases. It's a bit like that for, for big clubs like Celtic where they only really appeal to you. When Celtic were winning on the pitch, nobody was really complaining about the fact that there was a Celtic branded, you know, get your name on a dairy milk bar or whatever it was in, in the club shop or they were wishing, you know, everybody that had ever played for Celtic a happy birthday. Those things aren't an issue. When you're not winning, they're a major, major issue. But every, every, club's, every club's got the same dilemma, you know, your your Twitter account, your Instagram account looks futile if you're not winning or you're not making the right decisions. That's where Celtic are right now. Everything ev everything was was geared up, even the the marketing around, you know, the new strip, everything was around the ten. So the club itself built this 
and went along with the fans and whipping us and themselves into a frenzy. So when it all falls down, it's going to look fairly grim and that, that's how it looks and that's how it feels just now. But we do have the chance to rebuild that and get the momentum back going the other way. And the quicker this appointment is made, the better. You're right, Miff. I think, you know, the core uh, objective for any football team is win games of football. And you're right, if, if Celtic are beating all on Sunday and, and doing well in Europe, you couldn't care less what they're putting out on Twitter and, and how much they're charging for strips and season tickets and your Celtic slippers and everything else that you buy. Happy birthday, Mo Johnson. No, I mean, we'd all be, we'd all be fine. <laughs> well, nearly, nearly. Um, but yeah, you're right. You know, if you're winning games of football, nothing else matters. But unfortunately, in this season of all seasons, Celtic haven't won a lot of games of football and everything has been a you know a nightmare in terms of what they've put out. 16 since October. 16 wins since October. I've seen something doing the rounds. I didn't know the start. Uh, I should really have prepared for this podcast. 16 <laughs> wins since October. And what about now? April the 19th. It's not great, is it? It was good prepping on today's date, you know, well done. Yeah, well, I've got it right in front of me on a computer screen, but <laughs> by the by. Um, just another bit of breaking news today. Obviously, Jose Mourinho has stepped away from his role at Spurs, I think, in response to this European Super League chat. Will we be welcoming him home anytime soon? I wouldn't imagine so, no. No. Should we ask the question of a guy like that? Would it even cross the radar of, uh, you know, of those that are making those big decisions? Have you not forgiven him for Seville, uh, Chris? Uh, you no, look, I still, again, still like a bit so, angry about so, so sore point when it comes to our Jose, but... Um, I've seen, I've seen a couple of, couple of noises on, on old social media today about Jose, but again, that's, I think that's one we can well and truly forget about, just like Rafa. I, I, I would only I like welcome him. him. I would I would only welcome him in if he was going to be the 100% shithouse Jose Mourinho. I don't want this kind of watered-down version. If he was going to come in and noise it right up, then I'm yeah. in. Um, there was a suggestion from a good friend of mine that forgetting Jose Mourinho potentially coming to Celtic, does the Spurs be, uh, vacancy attract Eddie Howe? Is it maybe a level above? Or could that put the brakes? Because I think Eddie Howe, if he's weighing up Celtic v Crystal Palace v Newcastle, maybe Celtic come out on top in that argument. If Spurs come into the party, this is a whole different ball game. Do you think Eddie Howe's considered for a job of that calibre? Third favourite at the moment. Is he? I, I would say no, on the basis that I think they'll be looking for somebody from the elite level, considering their commitment to the European Super League. I, I don't think they would take a chance on someone who doesn't have credentials at that level. However, he, he's held in, in very high esteem down south, so it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be a complete shock to me, but I, I would say that Tottenham would be looking for someone of a... I would say somebody like Benitez, for example, would yeah. probably be more appealing. Possibly. There's that. not there's not a lot of those elite guys around, though, so it might be that they would like an elite, but they need to look into the next bracket if there's no one If only there was a manager down south that was well known for jumping ship. I can't really think of AMD off the top Where of my head. Somebody, somebody of a... I don't better not say it. I've been censored for that before. Where is he in the Ben? Second favourite. So, so what, what's a few favourites for Spurs, just quickly? Um, Bren Rogers, Eddie Howe, um, Nuno Espirito Santo. But here's one. Not about Mr Gerrard, no? media favourite I don't know I mean it's it's such a funny one and, and obviously Spurs are now heading in a different direction with the European Super League but you know it's it's interesting to see whether that would have an impact on us or not and I wonder Eddie Howe himself obviously fancies himself at what he does I wonder if he would feel that he's at that level because the suggestion is that Arsenal considered him the suggestion he was also in the conversations before Liverpool appointed Klopp so he should also feel that he's capable of taking a Spurs job because Spurs are perennial underachievers as well I think the stats come out, you know, there's a lot of noise about the European Super League and there's teams in there that 
aren't even Champions League clubs at this moment in time, haven't won their own domestic league in over 60 years, have very little to show for it in terms of history, but all of a sudden are, are amongst Europe's elite. So, I don't know, it's a bit of a segue there, but could be interesting for Eddie Howe, and it could put the span on any sort of deal that we've potentially got at this moment in time. Uh, back to football and matters. So, obviously, we would all just love to bring the shutters down in this season today and just pack up shop and we'll, we'll start again for next season. But we've still got four SPL fixtures to play. So we've got Aberdeen on Wednesday, Rangers away on the 2nd of May, St Johnson at home 12th of May and finishing the season with Hibs away on the 15th of May. What do you think the starting lineup's going to look like, Chris, in these kind of games? Where do we go? I still think it's going to be pretty similar to what we're seeing at the moment. I think, as I said, I talk about player, player value. Again, you look at Odds and Edward, you'd want to maximise your value for a player like that. Ryan Christie's another one for me. He'll be in there. Chris Ayer, another one. Just on that, so Edward and I are, are huge assets on Celtic's balance sheet at this moment in time. What if Edward breaks his leg against St. Johnson? Game over. Do you know what I mean? No, so no, so, right. so, so now, right, but... do you sh put him in a shop window? Anyone that wants to sign Odson Edward right now should know all about his capabilities and they, sh they should have done their scouting a long time before now. So should Celtic, as much as he's let us down, and I think he has let us down, should they just wrap guys like him and I on cotton wool and just accept that they're offski? and just slot other guys in at centre-half and centre-forward. What, what would you do? And I wonder if John Kennedy's given free reign to make those calls. I wonder if somebody from up high is saying, mm, can I play those guys now? John, I think John Kennedy wants to get one, one, one football game, just like us all. Again, we all want to see Celtic win and do well, so I think what they're going to be doing... It's hard when you think about it, but I, I think it will be the strongest eleven that will get out there. And the players... Again, this is Celtic. We're still talking about Celtic. And I know these decisions they do come into the thinking, but... Sometimes when things are happening, but I don't think I don't think things are happening at the moment, if that makes sense. So I again I firmly believe is when the, the things are wrapped up, there gonna be talks at that time in terms of where you're going. It's a difficult one. It is it really is a difficult one. But I, I firmly believe again it'll be the strongest Celtic team you'll see out there and again winning games in order to all you can say is try to get, get a bit of momentum getting towards towards ending uh, this season, then take it in next season. But no, I think John Kennedy will go with the strongest team that we've got. It's been such a long time since Celtic had so little to play for and just such meaningless games and four of them. I know the one at Ibrox for something to it in terms of trying to stop Rangers run, but generally speaking, it's just four games we could all do without, isn't it? Cheer up, Tino. I feel sad, Muff. I'm all right. But the question for John Kennedy, so whether he starts with your Ayers and your Edwards or puts some you know, kids into the team and does he give a yeti run? Does Barkas come out of hibernation and get a wee spell on the sticks? All these kind of things. Regardless of who the personnel is, what do those team talks look like? How do you motivate those guys? And I know John Kennedy, as an individual, wants to win every time he represents Celtic. But you're, So you're up at Pitaudry on Wednesday night. How do, you, how do you get the guys up for that? It's difficult. It's a hard one to try to G these, these guys up. But, um, it's been hard when there's something to play for. Yeah. How do you do it now when there's nothing to well, play I for? I think, again, we're taking in terms of you're trying to put your finger on what the issue was. Again, I read an article, but it's Cameron Harper. Yep, he's about in New York. I mean, he's obviously in New York now, and he's just thought about the mentality in the squad. Said Celtic's very cliquey. At the woman again, there is just a wee cliques, and I don't know whether or not there's that's kind of just like something from that. So, again, that's just again in terms of can certain individuals at the club um, clicking together, and it's just difficult to even sometimes break the clique and then try to get somebody to perform. So again, it's difficult. It's, it really is difficult for John Kennedy to try to even motivate or try to bring somebody out the clique. And it must be hard for the young guys to try and break into that. And it must be yep. intimidating, actually, as a kid up at Lennox Town to go and train with, and, and you know, 
leaders and good guys as they are, you know, Brunies and Callum McGregor's guys who are very, very well established international players, or at least have been, must be very hard for a 18, 19, 20 year old to try and break into that. And you need a certain, there's one thing being a good player, you need a certain type of personality, don't you? Because if you're going to be timid in that environment, it's the cutthroat world of professional football and top level football. Cameron Harper, you know, I think he played those couple of games in January. And he looked quite meek and timid for me. And he just looked like he maybe struggled with that that spotlight. But you've also seen guys like young Dembele hasn't been able to pull through. You know, the Okoflexes and, and various other guys, young Henderson. Young guys aren't coming through at this moment in time. Is that something that's more deep-rooted as well? You know, is there maybe a, as you say, whether it's a clique or a, a mindset up at Lennox Town where the, the kids aren't been allowed to, to flourish? Well, it's something we've spoken about before um, where we feel that the investment that's been into Lennox Town and how heralded it's been it's not really produced a consistent number of you know first team ready players over the years albeit there has been some notable graduates from from Lennox Town but in terms of there being a, I think Covid affects that to a degree I suppose you know the team wouldn't be able to socialise as they would normally be in, or they would normally be able to in, in normal times so it's it's hard to say it doesn't surprise me that somebody who's been willing to leave has had you know, fairly negative things to say about about the dressing room when they've obviously not made the impression that they would have hoped in in time. But I think it is a concern that, that young talent doesn't seem to be breaking through and is also leaving leaving the club at, at this time. I think it also just taps into the general negativity that there is around the club and no doubt around the squad as well. It's you know the season's been such a disappointment that that disappointment will be getting felt all the way from board level all the way down to to youth team players as well. You know, there's maybe even been some youth team players like the guys that you mentioned. Harper, Dembele, Oko Flex and those types of players, Henderson, who thought they might have been actually contributing within that squad this season towards the historic ten in a row. But it's been it's been the absolute opposite. They've been they've been called upon at a time of huge pressure when not just one of them's been chucked in, but six or seven of them have been chucked in all at the one time. And really it's only been Stephen Welsh out of the whole bunch that, that stood up and, and been counted. And regardless of what was a fairly fairly terrible miss yesterday himself and I have performed with credit as, as a partnership throughout. I think going back to yesterday, I, I could have been on the cover a bit better for the, the second goal, I think it was, um, where he could have went out to a bit a bit quicker as well. But, you know, in, in general, um, Ayer and, and Welsh's performance as a unit have been fairly good. Yeah. So th- th- there's there's various issues at the club that, that need to be addressed. And I think we would all as Celtic fans like to see a clear pathway for youth players who are good enough to begin into the first team squad and being given their chance as it stands at the minute. And I think because of the, shall we say, the obsession with the 10, any manager would have been less willing to do that. I know circumstances forced us to do it for two games this season, but any manager in the situation that Lennon was in would probably have been less willing to, to kind of do that this season. You're not going to gamble with a 10 in a row by throwing a couple of kids in there. But, I mean, this is something else. You know, I gave my to-do list for Dominic McKay earlier on. Lennox Town in the academy wasn't even in that, and that's a huge undertaking, and there's a lot of you know finance involved in that. I think I don't know where I got this exactly, but I think it's from the official website. But there's uh, some stats here in terms of the the academy and uh, the players they've produced since 2000 2001. So just a few bullet points: 51 players have made Celtic's first team. Now some of them will be guys that have played once and moved on. I don't know Marcus Fraser being a, an example, perhaps guys like that. Uh, one in three coming through the academy have become professional footballers, but not necessarily for Celtic. So. Again, Marcus Fraser would tick that box. 19 have played in the Champions League. I'd like to know who those 19 are. I wonder if somebody can tell us. And There's some kind of good analytics and stat guys that, that follow us on Twitter and different things and listen to the podcast. 
the 19, the obvious ones are, you know, the James Forrest, the Kieran Tierney's, the Callum McGregor's, maybe Mikey Johnson. I wonder though, in fact, not sure of Johnson, but anyway, I wonder who the remaining 14, 15 are. So that's an interesting one. And then it says 41 have become full internationals. And again, I'd like to know that. But the bottom line is, of all those numbers, no stats are great, but, you know, stats can do anything if you dress them up well enough. Fans don't really care about those four bullet points there. They care about who's the guy that's coming through and being a consistent first-team performer and not just a gesture. Ah, we gave that guy his debut and now look, I'm playing for Dunfermline or Hartlepool or whatever. You want to bring guys through who you can absolutely hang your hat on and Forrest has been one of those. McGregor's been one of those and Kieran Tierney absolutely has. But those lads aside, they're not coming through, are they? And something's gone wrong. And you know, there's another kind of point that a couple of guys left Celtics Academy and went to Bayern Munich and a couple of guys went down south. And I think ultimately, no matter how talented you are and how good the coaches up, up there are, it can come down to money. Bayern Munich will turn around to these kids at 15, 16 and say, I don't know what they're on, a couple of hundred quid, a few hundred quid, grand, whatever. And they'll double it and treble it and quadruple it. And Celtic can't and shouldn't try and live with that. So it's, you know, you've got to take into consideration the the financial side of football in the modern day as well, that it is very hard to, you know, they've, they've developed these players and now lost them for, I don't know if they even get a development fee for some of these kids. I think they lost a young goalie down to Liverpool, Liverpool maybe. Yeah. So there's loads of things like that going on. And, I, I, you know, we can often get blinded by providing simplistic viewpoints on why we're not keeping those guys, why we're not, you know, developing Dembele. There's potentially a whole host of things that we don't know about. But the fact is that only three key players have come through the academy, the three I mentioned since 2000. It's just not a great return, is it? No, it's, it's pretty poor, actually. I, I didn't appreciate it in terms of the stats himself, but... You're welcome. It's aye, brilliant, you know, it's good like that. But I, I just feel as if I see you coming through in terms of get through at a club at Celtic, you need talent, first and foremost. Then you need to have the right mentality and also you need to have the right attitude as well. And this is where you, I think you see some of the players like Dembele, they suffer because, again, they seem to have all the talent in the world, but again, in terms of where it be attitude. And again, I'm, I'm not meant to be critical of the guy, but we've seen the same way Islam Farouz a number of years ago and it seems if history is repeating itself to a degree but as I said it just you need there's a three again three key things you need to become a player for Celtic and the the other one that we seem to have missed out who we had high hopes for this season is Mikey Johnson now he's been very unlucky he had a bad injury but then he came back just around the time when the whole Dubai thing kicked off and he was he was he was in the team but as soon as the other players come back, he kind of bombed at the squad almost. And, and for Kennedy's been, I don't think he's featured in the match day squad, has he? He's not, but I believe he's been declared unfit. So has I don't he? know if he's just not quite recovered. I've got high hopes for Mikey Johnson, and I think he is good enough to be a Celtic player. And I think he showed some real quality. But I think he's been very unlucky uh, with injuries, and, and who knows if, if a new manager will take a chance on him. But this, this is a crossroads for guys like Mikey Johnson, and he could now go on and be that kind of fourth player we're seeking from the academy to go and make it big time. Or he could be like any one of the. 40 internationals or whatever it is that just don't make it at Celtic so hopefully you know it's the former and guys like Mikey Johnson have got a future so as we're starting to wrap things up obviously covered quite a lot of you know different topics and there's lots going on and you know Don McKay being the focus and rightfully so but now where are you at just now what's your final thoughts as we start to wrap things up final thoughts are just intrigued to hear what, what Don McKay's got to say what his visions for the, the club are what he sees as his most important kind of decisions to make in, in the next few weeks and months Hopefully, they're the same as what we as, as the fans feel, and I'm just really, really hoping that now the kind of tin lid's been put in the, the season that we can we can move forward with a bit of optimism and make the right appointments as quickly as possible. However, I seem to have been saying that for weeks, and I'm just absolutely sick of it. So just hurry up and do something. By weeks, do you mean months? Uh, uh, I've also forgotten. We've talked about so many things that Don McKay has to do. We've not even discussed Fed. 
that's next week. We'll discuss Fred next week and see what to do with that character. Chris, what's your final thoughts? Brighter days are on the way. I'm going to be optimistic, sign off for being optimistic. It can't get any worse. So therefore, I'm going to be optimistic. I think, as I said, let's just hope this is day one of the Dominic Mackay era on the 19th of April 2021 and it's going to get better. So I'm being tribe optimistic. I'm being serious, but at the same time when I say that, I think things have reached a, a new low yesterday and I've got of a season of many lows. Um, but I think, as I said, we need to just can dust ourselves down Let's just get the right appointments made and let's kick on and let's hopefully go in the right direction. Hopefully sooner or later. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And you know, since you turned 40 yesterday, mate, you've been an absolute breath of fresh air. So very welcome. So as we've covered, Dominic Mackay is now in the building and his arrival signals the start of a new era for the football club. What that new era will look like, however, remains very unclear at this moment, both in terms of who'll be on the park and who'll be in the dugout. Our season officially ends on the 15th of May with a visit to Easter Road, but as a club, we simply can't afford to stand still until then. So, it's over to you, Dom. We can only hope you make the calls that get us back to where we belong. My thanks to Miff and Chris for joining me on today's episode of the Celtic Exchange. And if you're enjoying the show, please support us by following and leaving a review on Apple, Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. It really makes a big difference to what we do. Thanks as always for listening and we'll see you again next week. Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts.